What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirstie. Wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. You make my heart sing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you make everything groovy. <laughs> okay, wow. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just wow. We nailed that. We nailed that. <laughs> totally. Today's book is People Are Wild by Margot McGank. And it makes my heart sing because it is so beautifully written and illustrated. And also entertaining and informative. It really is. We're excited to talk to Margot and her editor, Katherine Harrison, about this wild book. Let's get started. So, Margot, we're going to start with you. Congrats on your author-illustrator debut. We love People Are Wild. Can you share with us where you got the idea for this story? Yeah. So I grew up here in the Pacific Northwest, and my family was really active. We did a lot of hiking and tide pooling and canoeing and all those kind of situations where you run into animals out in the wild. And, you know, whenever we did that thought always crossed my mind of like, what, what is their experience of me? You know? And I, of course we, we had cats and a lot of friends had other animals. And anytime I interacted with uh, domesticated animals, same thought crossed my mind. And then more recently, my, my sister, when she was in her undergrad, she briefly, briefly studied primatology. And one summer she volunteered at this primate sanctuary that was associated with Central Washington University. Um, It's now defunct, but it was a a really cool facility where anybody who encountered the animals in any way, like for example, one day I went to visit her when she was volunteering there and I just being in the facility, I didn't really interact with the animals. I was just in the facility and they could see me. I had to take a class that taught me how to, how to be wow. so as to not upset the animals. So there's things like we had to, you had to cover your teeth and you had to kind of bob your head and keep it, keep your head kind of down and a bent posture. 
and um, so interesting. Avoid yeah. eye contact, stuff like that. And that really got me thinking about all of the ways, all of the unconscious ways we might interact with animals in an upsetting way <laughs> um, without realizing it. And so that kind of was that germ of an idea of like, how, how are my actions really affecting other animal, animals in a, in a way I wasn't expecting? Wow, that's beautiful and so that's interesting. So, cool. yes. so Catherine, what was it about this project that made you want to acquire it? Oh, so many things. Um, you know, I feel like this book was further along than a lot of what we see. I was just listening to some back episodes of your podcast and um, <laughs> the interview with uh, Win Fam and Connie Shu stuck out to me because Connie was like, ah, I feel like I hardly edited this book at all. Yes. And I kind of really stopped <laughs> a little because so much of it was working. Um, and I just remember there was this, this color study Margot had done of the opening scene with the elephant meeting the young child. Mama, what is that? And you don't know who's talking and it works so well either way. So and clever. Yeah. There is something just so visually striking. I mean, Margot's artistic ability is just incredible. But I think also, I mean, the story works on so many levels. It's a fun, playful story. But also it's sort of like grazing around this or grazing over this deeper point about, you know, how we coexist, how our environment is changing, how, you know, we see these sorts of animals in so many picture books, giraffes and lions and the world today isn't such a welcoming place for many of these sort of beloved critters of children's literature. And I felt like Margot was... I felt like her book was talking about that without talking about it in a way, just asking the reader to imagine what their those animals experience is um, without necessarily hitting us over the head. And there's just this one final line of the book um, and all wild creatures deserve to be free, right? That it strikes just a slightly different note than everything else that's come before it. And in the way that the best concluding lines of stories do, it it broadens your view of everything you've just read and just gets the, the gears in your brain turning. So I think that line, it, I think I probably would have wanted to offer on the picture book anyway, just based on the strength of the art and the kid appeal of the story. But that really clued me in that there was something more going on that felt really unique and um really stuck in my head and felt like one of those little timeless twists that stays with you. Definitely. Absolutely. And I, I, I agree so much. I feel like the book hits this sweet spot of having, of being this great conversation starter, but like you said, not hitting you over the head with the, with a heavy message, but it's there very subtly. Um, it's done, it's done so, is smartly a word? Smartly? Smart? <laughs> <laughs> it's just done so well. <laughs> Probably should know that as an author, but you know, one of those days. Um, so Margot, as an author illustrator, what typically comes first for you? Is it the art or the words? Well, with this one, it was um, the words. So I had that concept and I knew I wanted to make a book about how animals perceived us and 
So I just kind of wrote down a list of all of the ways different animals might perceive us. Um, and then after I had that list, I did quite a bit of sketching based on that. The first image that came to me was the the elephant pointing at the child and the child pointing at the elephant. I love that um, image. It's so such a beautiful. Great entry point into the book. So Catherine, what was the editing process like for this book? Yeah, I, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't, we didn't reinvent anything with this story, but I would say it was more like a, a great deal of fine tuning. Um, I'm looking at your backdrop. I know the podcast listeners won't be able to see <laughs> the visuals, but you're in a room filled with guitars and keyboards and musical instruments. And I feel like it was like in a way like that, just like tightening a string over here and seeing how it affects the way everything comes together. So, you know, I think we, we actually took, we really took our time with this one, but it was tweaks. It was subtle things. And from the very beginning, we, Margo and I were working pretty closely with uh, Martha Rago, who's the, um, just sort of the head of the art department at Random House. And it's, so it's always a treat when she's the designer or the art director for your book. And yeah, just really going through each spread. I think we swapped some things around. I think we pulled out some adjectives and maybe replaced them with other ones, looked closely at the animal choices and, you know, like, what does this convey? What deeper, what other meanings might people read into this to make sure they were all really working well? Um, and one thing that we developed that hadn't been there originally was the back matter section. So that was sort of our way of getting at that question of uh, conservation and in the environmental themes, like a little more directly, like talking about how, how do these animals work? What makes them tick? Like, how are their habitats? Where do they live in the world? And how has that changed? Um, and I think in the first draft, I think we, we, we juggled it around so that all of the animals in this book are threatened or endangered in some way. And I think that was something that's not in the text, but is feels like a meaningful subtext. Oh, I loved the back matter. I learned so much. <laughs> It was so fun yes. to look at, and I'm sure that kids want to look at it over and over and over again. I hope so. Yeah, I, I heard someone say once that like science facts are like trading a social currency at school. Yes, <laughs> oh, like if you cool. can without a cool it's animal so fact. True. <laughs> and cool animal facts are like the best. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So, okay, Margo, can you give us um, a look into what the writing process was like and the illustration process for this yeah. book? Yeah, yeah, in love with the color palette. Right. So beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Thanks. Well, so for the writing process, I actually, I, I came up with that idea where I just wrote down this list of, of different ways animals could perceive us. Um, but the original version was actually set at the zoo. And I had a really hard time with that. I actually had to set the book down for months, um, probably like six months to a year because I wasn't... I was like running up against really what it was. I was running up against the problem with the cages and the enclosures. Like 
I couldn't make a statement about mutual respect with that obvious symbol of oppression between the two parties. You oh, know? I have the hardest yeah. time even going to the zoo because of that. Right. Right. <laughs> I so mean, sad. they have a, they, they're important and they have their place. Um, but for this book and for the point I was trying to make, it really wasn't the right setting. So I, you know, I set it down and I, I thought about it for months, just like, you know, when I was on a walk and I encountered an animal, you know, I was thinking about it again, like I, like I was before I even wrote it. And then really <laughs> so odd at like 3am one night when I was just like laying awake in bed, thinking about the book, it occurred to me that it didn't have to be set at the zoo. And then actually it was better if it was set out in the world where we were encountering these animals naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that got me out of bed. I was so excited. Um, (laughs) started having all of these images flood my brain. And so I got up and I, I wrote the, the draft of the book that, I mean, it was pretty much the draft of the book that I sent to Catherine, um, that I wrote that night between like 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and I think you were telling me, Margot, that, that that final line of the book that, that had stuck with me and resonated with me so much was mm-hmm. maybe one of the only holdovers from your original draft. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah. All really? wild creatures should be free. And I couldn't have gotten that line mm-hmm. without without taking away those cages. Like I just couldn't have gotten there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, another thing that, that really came to life about the book when I took away the, the, the zoo setting was um, that it could be, that it took place all over the world with all different kinds of kids and all different kinds of animals and not necessarily the animals that you see at the zoo, um, just all sorts of settings. So beautiful. So, I love that. I love, you. I love the metaphor of how you, you took the cages away from the animals in your book and it kind of took the cage away from your story and your, yeah. your, what was holding you back from being <laughs> able to write the story you wanted to write. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love when yeah. that works out yeah. like that. That's lovely. Um, and then for the, for the illustrations, because I knew that I wanted there to be a different feel for each page because they're so like so far apart, all of these, you can see on the map where all of these animals live and they're all pretty far um, spaced from each other. I want, I, I actually chose a different color palette for each page. I used a, a triad color palette for those who want to geek out on that. Yes. Please. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I picked either two cools and a warm or two warms and a cool. And I picked what that, uh, some, one of those for each page so that we have a vastly different feel for each page because, you know, Savannah, Africa wouldn't feel the same as, you know, a, a walnut forest in Japan, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did that, chose different color palettes, did a whole bunch of different tests on tiny little pieces of paper just to kind of like make sure everything was working. And then when I when I blew it up and did the final, I I used I did color pencil sketches first and then over top of that I did watercolor and gouache and I used a lot of salt and different different techniques to make 
cool textures in the watercolor. Like on the cover, you can see that, that kind of crackly texture, that's salt. And then over top of the paint, I used colored pencils again to kind of pick out little details and um, stuff like that. And there's about, I would say there's like five to 3% digital editing at the very end, just wow. like a, a little bit of color, but it's, yeah, it's 95 to 97% traditional. Wow. So Margo, I feel like you've already given us a really great tip um, for, you know, authors and illustrators as far as putting a book down and walking away from it and giving it some time. But do you have any other tips or tricks for authors or illustrators that you want to share? Well, so along those lines, like when you put it down and walk away from it, just don't put it down and stop thinking about it. Like put it down and keep thinking about it and keep doing those things that like pay attention to those things in your life that help you think. Um, for me, showering always gets my, mm -hmm. gets my brain going. And when I'm laying awake in bed at night, I, I always think about books and that, you know, helps me fall back asleep, but also helps me think <laughs> of ideas. Um, and then what are some other things? Yeah. Naps, all great. Yeah. naps, showers, great. walks. Um, so when I, when I get those ideas, it's really important to just stop what you're doing and, and go write them down. Like I have a, I have a notepad in my bedside table. I always have a notepad in my bag when I leave the house and it's not a big one. It's just something, it's not necessarily for sketching. It's just for writing down those like lightning strike ideas. So just be ready for those ideas, uh, ready to capture them. <laughs> I did That's a songwriting. I went nice. to a songwriting workshop once where that called them song seeds. Oh yeah. And it was the guy was encouraging us to like always keep like a little tiny notebook you can slip in your pocket or your a notes app file on your phone and just just write them down. Just write down your picture book seeds or your song seeds. And you never know when you look back later, something that you're like, oh, that's kind of cheesy in the moment could turn out to be really cool. Agreed. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, it's time for our last question. And um, Catherine, we're going to ask you first, when someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? You know, as much as it's a story about animals, I think it's also a story about empathy. Um, it's a story about looking at someone who's different or something that has a different experience than yours and putting yourself in their, their shoes or paws or hooves. <laughs> and really, you know, opening yourself up to experiencing the world a different way. Um, I hope readers walk away feeling inspired to do that. Um, the other thing I'll just throw out there, I read this, my, my boyfriend's kid has, has just, just cracked the reading nice. puzzle, right? Like he's nice. just in the last two months has started reading books on his own or books side by side, you know, and um, I had sat down with, with him with this book just thinking I would read it aloud to him, but it ended up being a perfect, a perfect read aloud for a reader who's, who's really just starting out. So I would, I would recommend this for that, for side by side or lap reading too. Definitely. Definitely. New readers will absolutely feel successful reading this book. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Mm. Great point. Margo, same question. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? Well, I hope, I hope that they, 
that people, when they go out into these wild places where we are interacting with animals, I just hope that they think of themselves as guests in their home and, and, and think about what kind of guests they're being in that, in, in these animals' homes. We're just, we're all sharing the world together. And I, I just want everyone to think about how we're treating each other, animal and human. <laughs> Big thank you to Margot and Catherine for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for People Are Wild. Check out the show notes to learn more about Margot and her other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.